1: Buckle up. It's the football playbook with your boy. RIC and the place to be Rick Saratella. Checking in from the Jersey shore here on this uh, Monday, September 26, 2022. It's our 20th episode. Oh, by the way. And, uh, it is a championship football Monday. That's how the Philadelphia Eagles are playing like a championship caliber football team. And you want to give me the criticism? Hey, they really haven't faced a contender. Hey, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is beating up on makeshift defenses. Hey, you can only play who's in front of you. The Eagles are taking care of business and doing it in a big, big way. That's right. Paul Kane in the chat room. 3-0. and oh, We're flying high over here on the football playbook. Got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, Martin Frank from the Delaware News Journal will be making his football playbook debut uh, at 11 a.m. We'll also have Howard Balzer, longtime NFL insider, of course, uh, every Monday at 1130, uh, Philadelphia's Finest, he'll he'll uh, break down some Eagles. We'll go around the league with him in hour two. Uh, but I want to get into the Giants, or <laughs> the Giants, I got my notes. The Giants and the Dolphins are your only other undefeated teams here after three weeks pending the Giants Monday night football game tonight against your Dallas Cowgirls. We'll get into that later on in the show. Oh, by the way, but that's that's the league we live in in 2022 you got three weeks in the books and only three teams undefeated with your Miami Dolphins in the AFC who would have thunk and your Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC we'll see if the Giants uh can keep the big day balls going tonight against the Cooper Rush led Dallas Cowboys but it's all about Jalen Hurts today if you ask me Stephen Michael in the chat room it's like it's like great minds think alike it's almost like You're streamed into the Jacob Sports YouTube channel so much that you already know what I'm thinking. I'm only 20 episodes in. Yes, 900-plus yards passing, 150-plus yards rushing. I have it right here in my notes. Not the first quarterback in history. Maybe it is the first quarterback in history. I know a player hasn't done that since at least 1950. And every week we come here on Monday, we talk about a historical performance from Jalen Hurts. Doing things that have rarely been done or if ever done in the National Football League. Are there still haters out there on the Jalen Hurts situation? Because why in the world, why in the world would you give up on a guy that's 24 years old and playing at an elite level? Jalen Hurts is playing at an elite level. There's five words in Hurts. There's five words in elite. Dare I say it? There might not be five quarterbacks in the National Football League better than Jalen Hurts right now. Whether you want to believe that or not, that's on you. All I can say for my 21st year of covering the National Football League, guy looks pretty good to me. Guy looks outstanding to me. Guy looks like an MVP candidate, quite frankly. Jalen Hurts. That's who I'm talking about. Not Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts, who, oh, by the way, Brian Baldinger, our good friend Baldy. You don't want to take my word for it? Called him the best deep ball passer in the National Football League through the first three weeks of the season. So if you don't want to take my word for it, nobody spends more time in the film room than Brian Baldinger. Go take his word for it. And I'll get into some of the uh, <laughs> some of the deep ball passes that Hurts had, I thought, were on the money, on the mark, dropping dimes in the bucket. Woo! It's like Picasso out here, man. I need to get over to Italy and see me some Picasso. And if I don't, I'm going to go down to Philly because that's the next best thing I can, the closest thing I can find to it. Shout out to all the chat room people waking up with us here on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Of course, you're home for the Eagles pre and post game over at Ocean Casino Resorts. Again, it was lit. It was popping. And the Eagles were popping off early and often in this game here against good old friend, Carson Wentz. And this was, you know, we, we, we've been keeping tabs on each week, the theme this week, which I loved at the top of the show, by the way, great, great job by Fox. I think it was on Jalen hurts did a pregame interview. I love the quote he said, and, and they were talking about AJ Brown coming over and, his message to AJ Brown and what they spoke about and in terms of the leadership that Hurts and Brown are going to provide but the conversation went a little like this be a thermostat not a thermometer and when i go and write my um super bowl book at the end of the year for this mystical magical philadelphia eagles carpet ride chapter 3 is going to be titled be a ther- be a thermostat, not a thermometer. That's going to be the title of chapter three. In other words, dictate the tone. Dictate the temperature. Don't adjust to how hot or how cold it could be in the Philadelphia media market, in between the white stripes. You dictate the temperature. Don't let somebody else dial it up or dial it down. You be the thermostat. Don't be a thermometer. Paul Kean in the chat room says, what do you think is causing the second half performance by the offense? Yeah. That's one of my points of conversation today. You want to be critical on something? One of the things we can be critical about. 65 of your 84 points this year have come in the second quarter. All 24 points yesterday came in the second quarter. And out of those 84 points this year, only 14 points have come in the second half. And it's a good question. Is it play calling? Is it a mindset? Is it, you know, let's be honest. I'm going to get into some of my reactions throughout the game, but I remember here writing in my notes at halftime, this game was mentally and physically over by halftime. It was over. 24 nothing. The Eagles went for it on fourth and goal, right there before the half. Another Devonta Smith, spectacular play touchdown. And I'm trying to get our good friend Gail Saunders, who was down at the game, on because the Bluebirds were out. The Bluebirds were out at 9 16 in the first quarter when Washington was punting on their own nine yard line. The Philly crowd was louder than any Washington Commanders crowd put together. That was in the first quarter. At halftime, the Commanders got booed off the field. Booed off the field at their home stadium. And you saw Jalen Hurts' post-game press conference. He said it felt like a home game. It felt like a home game. Now. Live with Coos in the chat room says the conservative play calling in the second half, you know, it's a mentality that they need to get away from. I don't know if it's the play calling. I got to go back and look at it. It might be a coincidence. Hey, the points are coming in bunches. However you get them, it's dominant football. And the second quarter is, it seems to be where they turn it on. Yeah. They got to play four quarters of better football. But that's a well-rounded game. Oh, by the way, nine sacks. Nine sacks really with a four-man rush, uh, the blitz percentage or the pressure percentage was 36.5%. So they went from uh, 16% in week one, I think it was like 33% in week two, 36.5% this past week, seven players on the defensive line, had three plus three or more pressures, a 17.3% sack rate. I mean, give credit to the secondary, too, because Bradbury's been lights out. Darius Slay, big game Slay, came to play once again. Epps played 100% of the snaps. I think Chauncey Gardner played 100% of the snaps. Because the coverage is so good in the secondary, It allows these guys to get to the quarterback really necessarily without blitzing, but they're getting pressure to the quarterback with this four-man rush on a third of the plays, which is outstanding. It's complimentary football. It's what we call championship football now. Hey, we're going to nitpick. How do we get better? Hey, we want to play four quarters of better football. That's something to work on in the next three games because don't look now. I don't like the early week bye the week seven bye, but don't look now. The Philadelphia Eagles should be and are expected to be undefeated going into the bye week. Good old friend Doug Peterson's dialing it up down there in Jacksonville, and it'll be Jaguars week. We got Austin Lane checking in tomorrow. We got Tony Baselli later on in the week. We'll get into the Jaguars with our good friend, coach John D. Filippo, because it's Doug Peterson week right after Carson Wentz week. But they should take care of business against the Jaguars. Then I think they got the Arizona Cardinals, who is going to be a tough game on the road. It's a game they should win. And then week six, I don't care if Dak is back or not. With or without Dak Prescott, the Philadelphia Eagles should beat your Dallas Cowboys. So they should be 6-0 and going into the bye week. 5-1? and one? Sign me up right now. Five and one, sign me up right now, because that means a third of the way through, the Eagles will be on pace to be a 14-3 and three ball club. <laughs> That's the kind of football that they're playing right now. Only the Giants and Dolphins are undefeated. We'll see if the Giants get through the Cooper Rush-led Cowboys tonight. We'll get more on that tonight or later on in the show with Howard Balzer when he when he jumps on. Jalen Hurts, first player since 1950. Over 900 yards passing. Over 100 yards rushing. And I love the quote. I love the quote by Mark Skreleth who's been doing a lot of these Eagles games. At the end of the game, he was talking about Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, the comparing contrast, and he, he said something that really stood out to me that I agree with. He said there's two types of athletes in the National Football League. Those who are humble and those who are about to be humbled. Think about that. Jalen Hurts is as humble as they come. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low. Carson Wentz basically admitted earlier in the week, said I could have been a better teammate, could have been a better person, acknowledging that he was immature. Those who are humble... And those who are about to be humbled, a.k.a. the difference between being a starter in the National Football League and being a backup, because Carson Wentz, third team in three years, holds on to the football too long, makes a lot of bad plays, takes a lot of poor sacks. This is his last year as a starter in the NFL. In fact, I said it last week, when Carson Wentz comes back to the link in week 10, it'll probably be Sam Howell time. Because Washington will realize what a mistake they made. Just like the Indianapolis Colts realized a year ago, the Washington commanders will be moving on from Carson Wentz. I guarantee that! Take that to the books. Carson Wentz will not be your Washington starter next year. And I don't think he'll be the starter by week 10. I think Sam Howell will be in there because they're going to find out what Sam Howell's about. And I said it before the season. I'd rather go to war with Taylor Haneke. Pop a cold one open for me, Taylor. Keep it cracking, baby. So say what you want about the second half. Yeah, they took their foot off the gas once again for the third straight week. But when you play like this, that's called nitpicking. It's called nitpicking. And, you know, you saw, again, those who are humbled and those who are about to be. Look at the body language. Did you see the body language of Carson Wentz early on, all game long, first half, second half? This guy was so frustrated, what did they have, six sacks by halftime? Philadelphia outscored Washington 300, or yardage, they outscored him 24-0. On the yardage, 322 yards to 50 at halftime. Physically and mentally beat down by halftime. And you started to see the, the mental clock speed up in Carson Wentz's head, especially in the second half. I think it was the first time in, like, 60 years that they had nine sacks. And everybody got in on the action. I mean, Fletcher Cox, he was hugging Carson before in the pregame. He was hugging them all game on the sack attack. Javon Hargrove, he was in on the mix. Josh Sweat, big-time week. Hassan Reddick was in there too. Oh, by the way, Jordan Davis got in on the fun on the last sack. I mean, you could not expect or ask for a more impressive defensive performance than what your Philadelphia Eagles turned into uh, yesterday. Outstanding. Both sides of the ball. Outstanding. I'm going to get more into my uh, in-game takeaways. But just a quick look at the uh, snap counts. We've been keeping tabs on that defensive line. I love what they're doing with the defensive line rotation. I think it's smart to have Fletcher Cox play 47% of the snaps yesterday. Almost a throwback to his rookie season when he was first coming into the league. Now, instead of bringing them up to speed, they're preserving that energy, and I like it. I like it a lot. In fact, the whole defensive line rotation, nobody played more than 60% of the snaps. Josh Sweat played 61%. Hassan Reddick, 56%. Hassan Reddick, what are they paying this guy? $14 million this year? $10 million, 11 million? This guy's making a lot of money. He's only playing 56 56- Percent of the snaps and that's okay it's okay Javon Hargrave 53% of the snaps and I like I like the interior what they've done here how many times you know this ain't Texas A&M this ain't Alabama this ain't Georgia this is a national football league how many times can you have a seven or eight man rotation and feel good about it because you had Sweat at 61%, Reddick at 56%, Hargrave at 53%. On the interior, uh, Milton Williams, 49%. Cox, 47%. Marlon T., 44%. You want to talk about the uh, Jordan Davis, 31%. He played, I think, 24 snaps. So he's averaging about 23 snaps per game. But we talked about Derek Barnett. How would they fill that void? Well, hey, Patrick Johnson played 36%. Brandon Graham, 35%. Teron Jackson was in the mix too. So maybe they don't need JPP. Maybe they don't need reinforcements because they kept it in-house. Everybody stepped their game up and it resulted in nine sacks. When's the last time the Eagles had nine sacks? Was it 60 years ago? Unbelievable. Every time I come on the show, we're talking about historical records. That's the level of play the Philadelphia Eagles are playing with. And outside of the Miami Dolphins, there's nobody in the NFL hotter. Go look at the Super Bowl odds. What are, what are they down? A nine to one? 12-1? I saw the Tampa Bay and Green Bay game yesterday. Did you did you look like those were? The top NFC teams? I saw the 49ers last night. I'll get into that debacle. Did the 49ers look like the team to beat in the NFC? The Packers? The Bucks. Who's that team standing in the way of Philadelphia? We're going to find out Thanksgiving week. Because until we face Green Bay Thanksgiving week on November 27th, I'm going to have all the naysayers, the doubters, and the haters telling me that Philadelphia hasn't played anybody of relevance. Well, all you can do is beat the people they put in front of you. Timothy Walker in the chat room. Daniel, good to see you. He's a newbie. Dominic Dabby. Shout out to all the chat rooms. It's all about the coaching. You're right. Jonathan Gannon. Stand up! Shane Steichen, who I think Johnny Mack on the Birds 365 show said, hey, enjoy him now while you can because he might not be on the team next year. Shane Steichen is calling plays in a way where he's going to get head coaching consideration. That's what I think. Oh, Rick, it's only three weeks. I I can't give Jalen Hurts $40 million now just on three games. Come see me week 17, week 18. Come see me January. Come see me February. The football playbook, we call it like we see it. Did you see the first three weeks? Because if you watched football for as long as I have, and came away saying that Jalen Hurts isn't a franchise quarterback, then you just don't know football. You want to give up on this guy? You want to give up on Jalen Hurts? Three years into the system, 24 years old, and you want to go draft a new quarterback instead of paying this guy? Give me a break. That's bad business. My good friend Craig T. Smith, longtime scout who's been scouting football for even longer than I have, says Hertz is a fun watch. Holy cow, the Eagles are scary. Yeah, because they can beat you in the pass. They can beat you on the ground. Now, the ground game wasn't stellar yesterday. They only averaged 2.4 yards per carry on the ground. You know, 21 first downs. They won the first down game. 21 first downs. 16 came through passing. Another three came on the ground. I think two of them came through penalty. Oh, by the way, they lost the time of possession game. They only had the ball 27 minutes. But when you dominate 400 yards to 240, with most of that coming in the first half, you can get by the Washington Commanders. Devonta Smith, by the way, early and often, career high, 169 receiving yards. We'll get more into that. Uh, You know, Eagles social media. I love the social media team with the Eagles changing the W to the L at the midfield. But um, a lot of game balls to give away here. A lot of game balls to give away. Um, the defense, nine sacks, 17 hits on Carson Wentz again, 36.5% pressure, seven players with more than three pressures and a 17.3% sack rate. Okay. Um, I'm going to get into more of my in-game reactions, Before we do, I know we got a star-studded show. Martin Frank from Delaware News Journal is going to join us at 11. we got Howard Balzer, longtime NFL insider, at 11.30. We'll talk more Eagles on the other side. Real quickly, I want to bring you up to speed around the league in in terms of other things that I saw. How about those Dolphins taking care of business? 21 to 19 over the Bills. I think the Bills' defensive uh, secondary has been exposed and they didn't even get Tyreek Hill involved in this game. Quite frankly, they still win. Uh, the Tua concussion protocol. I think the NFLPA will be looking into that whole situation. But the Dolphins three and zero. They were they're the talk of the town in the AFC. The Colts they get on the grid. Our good friend Frank Wright gets off the snide. A lot of heat on his seat. They beat the Chiefs twenty to seventeen. Special teams, I think, cost Kansas City in this ball game. Interestingly enough, Patrick Mahomes was blitzed on forty-five percent of his snaps during the first two games. Frank Wright and company only blitzed him twice that entire game. So maybe that's the recipe to beat Patrick Mahomes: sit back, try to let these Chiefs receivers beat you. But the the Colts take care of business, twenty to seventeen. Another guy playing for a big money contract. We talk about Jalen Hurts being a $40 million quarterback. To me, there's no doubt in my mind, Lamar Jackson's going to be a $50 million quarterback. Whether that's on Baltimore or somebody else, somebody's going to pay this man the money he deserves. 18 to 29, 218 yards, four touchdowns passing, another one rush, five touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. Oh, by the way, Mac Jones, high ankle sprain. New England Patriots, their season looks like doom and gloom. Stayed in the AFC, Titans beat the Raiders 24-22, Josh McDaniels 0-3. Uh, if you want a side story in this one, our good old friend Mac Hollins has emerged as a somewhat playmaker. He had a big week. Um, Bengals come back, the bounce back week for Joe Burrow, take care of business there, 27-12. to One thing I do want to highlight, Sauce Gardner, who was a first-round pick for the Jets, played extremely well on jamar chase so if you want to take a positive takeaway on the jets yesterday sauce gardner looks like the real deal uh and then our jaguars not they didn't just beat the chargers they whooped them they whooped the chargers 38 10 this was another game over by halftime brandon staley has to be better you know, uh, Justin Herbert's in the end of the game. They're down by 28 points. Justin Herbert's still taking snaps. He's injured. You got to preserve this guy long term. I thought that was a bad decision by Brandon Staley. We talk about Nakobe Dean not playing for the Eagles. Coming out of the draft, him and Devin Lloyd were considered inside linebacker one and two. Devin Lloyd had a big, big day for those Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday. Okay, so that's your AFC report. And then you got the NFC. Again, Howard Balzer will be on at the end of the show, who covers the Cardinals. They could not defeat the world champion, L.A. Rams. The Rams, whose run game is atrocious. They found a way to win this one 20-12. Aaron Donald, 100 sacks. Only the second true defensive tackle in NFL history to have that 100-sack Uh, John Randall, an undrafted free agent who's in the Hall of Fame, by the way, good friend of the show, being the only other one. Remember, sacks were really not an uh, an official stat. I think 1982 is when they start keeping tracks of that. It's still impressive for Aaron Donald. Uh, You know, Green Bay, 14, Tampa Bay, 12. Bucks make a late game charge. But, you know, this one was Aaron Rodgers' You know, fast start. He completed 12 of his first uh, first 13 passes. Tom Brady uh, missed his weapons. I think this is going to be a playoff rematch. I think the, back, the Packers will see the Bucs again in the playoffs, and the Bucs will be at full strength. Mike Evans suspended for this one, so the, the Packers get him this time. I think the Bucs might be the better team, but we shall see later on in the road. How about the Vikings with their Kirk Cousins comeback? He was terrible all game. And at the end of the day, Dan Campbell cost this. Dan can't. The Lions have everything but a good head coach and a good quarterback. I think Detroit will have a big decision to make on Dan Campbell. He basically admitted after the game to, to, to go for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, said it was a poor decision. Wish I had it back. I cost us the game. I agree, Dan. You're a bad head coach. You're a bad in-game decision-maker. And that's why you let the Vikings steal this game from you. 28-24. Captain checkdown. Kirk Cousins, stunk all game long. The Lions gifted another victory to the Minnesota Vikings. What a joke Dan Campbell is. Sorry. Panthers. I told you this might be one of the few games they can win. They get off the snide. They beat the Saints twenty-two to fourteen. The big, the big talk out of this game. The Saints suddenly don't look now. By the way, the Eagles. If this, <laughs> if the season ended today, the Eagles would have the sixth pick in the draft. I know a lot of you in the chat room are clamoring for Will Anderson, who's probably the best player in the draft. But if the Eagles are at six, they got the draft equity. Maybe they can move up. They got the sixth overall pick because the Saints stink, quite frankly. Jameis Winston, they're talking about a quarterback change already. Dennis Allen saying we're going to stick with Winston, but Andy Dalton. Warm up that arm. Andy Dalton could be coming out of the bullpen for your New Orleans Saints, which is great for the Philadelphia Eagles. Play Andy Dalton, please. Hey, that sixth pick might be a top three pick. Suddenly you might get the best player in the draft next year. Oh, by the way, don't look now. I heard the Eagles are $35 million under the cap for next year. They should be able to get that Jalen Hurts deal done. Meanwhile, there's guys out here that don't want to pay Hurts the money. That's not me. I'm so tired, frankly, of being a broken record because I've been, I've been talking about this since the preseason. Finally, the rest of the media is catching up to the football playbook. We've been teaching and preaching since August. Falcons beat the Seahawks 27 to 23 in the NFC. Who cares? Bears beat the Texans 23 to 20. Who cares? And then last night, the Broncos <laughs> looked like a Yankees Red Sox game 11 to 10. Broncos beat the 49ers at the end, despite Nathaniel Hackett's another bad coach, another bad coach in my opinion, but they overcome the bad coaching and the, and the poor play by Russell Wilson, quite frankly, until the last drive, you know, they're trying to make, I remember Towards the end of the Jim Moore uh, era in Atlanta, a good friend of the show, by the way, he, they they tried to make Mike Vick a pocket passer. It didn't it didn't exactly work out. Nathaniel Hackett's trying to make Russell Wilson a pocket passer. Stop it, stop it, just stop it right now. And you saw the last drive where Wilson was able to move around, pick up first downs with his feet, and then beat you with the pass. The Broncos pulled this out but Nathaniel Hackett is not the guy. I'm sorry. Kyle Shanahan's going to have to overcome some bad quarterback play because Jimmy G made bad decisions. He pulled the Dan Orlovsky by the way, uh running out of his own end zone on the safety and then some bad throws down the stretch, especially the last interception to seal the deal. But how about this one? The report before the game Jimmy G, who had a no-trade clause, we talked about all his uh, contract negotiations. Washington had a deal on the table that would have brought Jimmy G to Washington during the offseason. Jimmy G, with his no-trade clause, looking at that whole Daniel Snyder situation, who he, he could be gone sometime soon. Jimmy C, Jimmy said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. I don't want to go to Washington And so Jimmy G shot down the trade that would have sent them to Washington. Instead, they give up a King's ransom for Carson Wentz, who will be out of here after the year. Ron Rivera shot down that report after the game, by the way. But Jimmy G could have been a Washington commander instead of Carson Wentz. So that's your week that was. I wanted to get that in because I know we got a star-studded lineup with our friend Martin Frank. Howard Balls are an hour two of the show. Hey, it's the Football Playbook with Rick Zaratella, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts, your home for Eagles pre- and post-game. On the other end of this break, I've got some key takeaways, some in-game reactions that I'm going to go through with you. So keep it locked, hit the like button. We'll be back right after this.
0: Go to get your game on.
3: Back at it again,
1: Rick Saratella here on the Football Playbook TFB with RIC. Our twentieth episode here, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Monday, September twenty second. We are dialed in. We are locked up, ready to go. We got a great show for you here today. If you like what you're watching and listening to, we appreciate all the love and support. Hit the like button, smash it, bash it, mash it. Subscribe to Jacob Sports YouTube channel. Your home for Eagles pre and post. Post game, and of course, 12 hours daily of live coverage on this victory Monday. Three and oh, the Eagles are soaring sky high. I think they're third in the Super Bowl uh, odds out there in Vegas. A lot of people jumping on board of this Eagles bandwagon that myself and Jody Mack were driving in the preseason. And it's so happy to see the rest of the media catch up to us now because I feel like a broken record telling you Jalen Hurts is the franchise quarterback, telling you that Jalen Hurts, all he has done is developed and improved and improved his deep ball accuracy his short to intermediate game. The confidence level big, big time audible at the line of scrimmage that I'll get to in. Oh, by the way, man, even our own good friend, Brian Baldinger said he's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL right now. I got a question to all of our listeners, to all of our chat room people. To everybody who watches the football playbook, tell me how many people, how many starting quarterbacks in the National Football League would you go in a battle with for week four as your starter? Who would you rather have other than Jalen Hurts right now? How many quarterbacks would you rather have than Jalen Hurts if you had to win one game? It's a short list. Brady, Rodgers. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Then it gets interesting. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, maybe. Maybe Herbert doesn't win games. Jalen Hurts wins games. <clears throat> There's really only a half a dozen quarterbacks in the. National Football League that are playing at a higher level than Jalen Hurts. And I said Hurts has five letters, so does elite. I remember a time when we were questioning and wondering, is Eli Manning elite? Is Joe Flacco elite? All they did was lead their teams to a Super Bowl victory, and I think Jalen Hurts is trending in that direction, and nobody will question that. But you know what? Knowing the Philadelphia market, there'll still be media members out here. Jalen Hurts can win a Super Bowl, and there are going to be people that say, oh, well, you know what? They had the number one rushing offense, and they had a top-ranked defense, and they added A.J. Brown. Oh, you could throw anybody in there. Give me a break. Going to be dealing with this for another 18 weeks, hopefully. We'll take it. Hey, all you can do is beat who's in front of you and take care of your business. Now, I had a lot of notes throughout the game. I tried to give you the cliff note version. Martin Frank coming up at 11. Howard Bowles are at 11.30. But some of my takeaways here from that game, and most of them were in the first half because that's where all the action was. But I love the fact that at one point early on in the first quarter, there was three consecutive sacks by the Eagles' defense. And I think I mentioned it. Nine, nine minutes and 16 seconds into the first half, Washington's punching on their own nine-yard line. And the Philly crowd, I think Washington had to go to a silent snap count at certain points of this game. But the first seven dropbacks of Carson Wentz in this game resulted in four sacks. The Eagles were on it from the gate. And so on that punt return, by the way, they had uh, Devonta Smith back there right around midfield, which I thought was interesting. And I think that's something that you can see come playoff time is more Devonta Smith back there returning punts. I don't know if you want to do that on the regular, but Britton Covey, for all the kudos and props we've given him, and he was elevated, I think, the third time from the practice squad. Harry Roseman has a decision to make because, you know, they called him the crash test dummy on the broadcast, and he was the, the, the crash test dummy. And he had one muffed punt, a couple other returns where he just got hammered on the returns. So now they've got to make a decision on Britton Covey on the 53-man roster, but I thought it was interesting. We saw A.J. Brown, I think, in week one return a punt. Devonta Smith returned a punt there in the first quarter. And kudos to Zach McPherson because, again, Darius Slay, 80% of the snaps last week, I think 79% this week. But he was out as early as the first quarter. Slay was out with the injury. Zach McPherson stepped in and and played relatively well. He wasn't a liability. He was not a liability like Brian St. Juiced who the the Washington team moved out to the boundary. St. Juice got abused and picked on all day long by A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. It was not too big for Zach McPherson. Despite his preseason woes, he played relatively well again. Now, keeping it in the first quarter, Hurts hit Devonta Smith to that 45-yard bomb. He dropped it in the bucket. I mean, now you can argue whether or not that was a catch or not, but again, Give Hurts some credit because he hurt Hurts had the 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 whereabouts to hurry up the offense, get the play snapped, and get off another play while Riverboat Ron was trying to debate and and, and regulate. Oh, do I throw the red flag? Do I call? Do I challenge a play? Too late, Ron. Jalen's already going. They got the next play off. They had to explain to Rivera like, "Hey, bro, you snooze, you lose. Jalen Hurts too quick for you, man. You better." You better stop hitting that snooze button. But a great drop in the bucket on a 45-yard bomb to uh, Devonta. And and they had to settle for the field goal and go up 3-0. But that was my big takeaway from the first quarter. My other takeaway on the Washington side was Curtis Samuel's a jackknife. That guy's a weapon. And he didn't really have a, a, a lights-out game or a big-time performance, I don't think, statistically speaking. But – They lined them up. They used them in motion. They used them in the slot. They used them out wide. They lined them up in the backfield. Curtis Samuel's a good player. I like that. Curtis Samuel's a jackknife. So, those are my first quarter takeaways. We go into the second quarter where all 24 points again, 65 of the Eagles' 84 points this year have come in the second quarter, all 24. So, you know. Goddard on that screen pass that he took to the house. Big time play uh by uh S- Sayamalu and Jason Kelsey, big time blocks on that Goddard screen pass. He takes it to the house 10-0. Okay. And then they come back. They could have had they should have had 31 points in the second quarter because look at this series. I have this series specifically highlighted because I thought. For all the great that Shane Steichen does, you know, we're giving all these props and kudos. We're out here like the Brooklyn Brooklyn Brawler, giving ourselves pats on the back. You want some criticism? I'll give you some criticism. One, in the first quarter, Jalen Hurts, he had an early uh, series where I thought he needed to do a better job of knowing the circumstances and situations. It was like a second and seven. He threw a two-yard pass, third and five. And just kind of knowing the the down and distance and circumstances, that's my critique of Jalen Hurts. For Shane Steichen, it was this drive here. Like Hurts said last week, they left money on the table. They left money on the table in the second half because they got the ball on their own goal line after the, the Brenton Covey muffed punt. They were on their own goal line. Miles Sanders provides some relief with a 13-yard run. Hertz comes back with a perfect bullseye to A.J. Brown for a 13-yard bullet. It was a freaking dart. Then he comes back first down, another moves the chains again, Devonta Smith. Now they go in the no huddle hurry up, which I like, Shane. Shane Steichen, I like that. No huddle hurry up offense. We haven't seen that a lot this year. They get another first down to Pascal. Okay, then they get a late hit on Hertz. There's no foul called. There was a late hit on Hertz. no penalty. Now, third and five, this is the big-time audible. Not Shane Steichen. Jalen Hurts called the audible on third and five here, and he picks up. um, It's third and five. He gets the QB draw. He audibles to a QB draw to set up a fourth and one. Okay? Sariani, we know he has no problem going for it on fourth down. So they go for it on fourth down. And this is where my criticism of Shane Steichen comes in. Got a little too cute, little too fancy with the whole fake reverse. That was a debacle. That was a debacle. And I think it was to Zach Pasco, who Chris Franklin from the North Star Ledger mentioned he's from the D.C. area. Maybe that was the Eagles' way of getting them involved. Don't do it that way. That was that was terrible. That was terrible, as our good friend Charles Barkley might say. A guest, though, by the way, on the Seth Joyner Show on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You can go back and watch that uh, great one-on-one. But terrible call on the fake reverse debacle, okay? Um, with 539 left in the second quarter, they did another um, – deep ball to quez watkins right and that's where i've talked about this you've got to take shots deep down the field whether you execute them or not because you got to keep the defense honest and you got to make them respect that now everybody remembers the big play from quez a week or two ago the big 54 yard bomb so they go deep to watkins it's incomplete but laundry on the field laundry on the field and this richard wild goose Gets called for pass interference. I remember vividly because I love this kid coming out of South Carolina. I said, I'd never draft him. I'd never touch him because he's too physical. Sometimes corners are too physical. You say, Rick, what are you talking about? All you do is sit here and preach about being physical. Yeah, but sometimes when you're a cornerback, you can be a little bit too grabby. And that's Rashard Wild Goose. He's been in the league, I think, now for three or four years. I guess he hasn't improved on that because I remember at South Carolina, he used to get flagged all the time for pass interference. So they test him deep in the second quarter. He gets called for pass interference, and that sets up the Devonta Smith cross pattern where he takes it for 31 yards. So the Eagles are driving. Same drive, third and eighth. Uh, Sariani calls a timeout. I like this. On third and eighth, Sariani calls a timeout recollects themselves they go right to A.J. Brown on Brian St. Juice who was overmatched in this game A.J. Brown one-on-one on on St. Juice out comes the Batman cape Eagles are up 17 to nothing A.J. Brown and there was a Batman cape somewhere on the sideline and now we're flying now we're flying And I didn't think the Eagles were going to have another opportunity here. But they get the ball back with 157 before halftime. Hurts dinks and dunks his way down the field as he should. And then they set up the big 44-yard pass to Devonta Smith again. Right? And then give credit to Coach Sirianni because they go fourth and goal. Fourth and goal. They don't settle for the field goal. They don't settle for the three. They go for the kill. They go for the kill shot, and I like that. On the road, fourth and goal. Hurts to Devonta Smith, touchdown, 24-0. To me, that was the nail in the coffin at halftime. I said, this game is over. Right there. Because you could have settled for the field goal and went up 20-0. Instead, he went for the kill shot. Credit Sirianni for being aggressive. Credit to Steichen for the play call. And the Eagles go up at halftime 24-0, 322 yards to 50. And this was one of those games where, you know, you went at halftime, you went over to the fridge, you got yourself a nice frosty beverage, you kicked up the recliner, and you said, buckle up going to be a fun second half johnny in the uh, chat room james chris dominique removals by davis some newbies some regulars chris i love all the chat room love thanks for looking out hit that like button help your boy out if you like the game breakdown let's go to the second half not a lot to talk about but um there was some rain sprinkling down in the third quarter Um, again, the Eagles in the second half, they make the defense stay honest hurts, throws a 50 yard pass that was on the mark, but it's incomplete to AJ Brown testing that defense deep to loosen up that underneath game. And I have here, you know, uh, Washington's First big play came with two minutes and 15 seconds left in the third quarter. Scary Terry McLaurin makes a a 24-yard catch, I think. That's the first big play of the whole entire Washington offense. It takes all the way until two minutes and 15 seconds left in the third until the commanders actually had a play of significance. How did the Eagles' defense respond? Oh, they dialed it up again. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a big 10-yard tackle for loss in the backfield after a Josh Sweat pass rush. So, again, give Eagles credit here with the defense. Nine sacks on the day. Didn't really dial it up on a blitz scheme, but the four-man rush just kept getting back there, kept getting back there, made Wentz uncomfortable. You saw it in his head. The mental clock sped up. The mental clock sped up. Wentz felt uncomfortable. The Eagles defense pressured him. It was a party in the backfield. The Eagles are going to have to work on some of these sack dance celebrations with so many sacks. So third quarter, no scoring really. It's still 24 to nothing at this point. You're hoping the Eagles get a shutout on the board. And then you go over to the... um, Fourth quarter where Deron Payne gets gets the safety on Boston Scott, but that is um because of a big, big play by Avante Maddox. I think Avante Maddox gets a game ball as an unsung hero. What a big play on Logan Thomas, giving up about seven inches and sixty pounds. Oh, by the way, Avante Maddox crushes Logan Thomas at the goal line to the, the commanders went for it on fourth and goal, and they tried this little shovel pass to Logan Thomas, and Avante Maddox, buckle up. We got something for that. That's my favorite play of the game, quite frankly. And quite frankly, that's that's the mentality of the Eagles defense. I see Chris says Maddox is the dog. This defense has got a bunch of dogs and they let him loose yesterday. They ran wild on Wentz. So Maddox makes the big goal line stuff on fourth down on Logan Thomas. That's how DeRon Payne gets that safety, makes it 24 um, 2. You know, they get a garbage time touchdown to make it 24 8. I have Jordan Davis and, and TJ Edwards in on the sack party on the ninth and final sack of the game. It was good to see Jordan Davis get get back there. But those are some key in-game takeaways that I saw throughout the game. And to tell me that Jalen Hurts is playing at anything less than an elite level right now tells me that you don't know football, son. If you're telling me Jalen Hurts isn't one of the elite signal callers in the NFL through the first three weeks of the National Football League, I just can't take you very seriously at this point. That's me, RIC, and the place to be, breaking it down here at the Jersey Shore, broadcasting around the universe, TFB with RIC, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Now, I won't get a lot of college football talking on this show today, Maybe I can sneak some in tomorrow when we'll have uh, Austin Lane, oh, by the way, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, uh, who I saw out there. He's fighting in the UFC now. He's out there chanting Duval. I, I said, let me get Austin Lane on and talk about some Jaguars. We'll have Eddie Kratz with his reaction like he does every, other t- uh, every Tuesday tomorrow. And so I don't know how much college football talk I'll get in because you guys know I love to count you down to the NFL draft which is just, I think I saw this morning, 213 days away. If you go to NFLDraftBible.com on Sports Illustrated, that's what we do over there. And quickly here, there's going to be people, maybe right here on this network, that say, ah, you know what, the Eagles should still draft a quarterback. Well, hey, here's your your NFL Draft QB watch for you from the weekend. Uh, C.J. Stroud. They take care of business, Ohio State does over Wisconsin. He goes 17 to 27, 281 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception. His first intercept, I think he's got 16 touchdowns and one interception. So CJ Stroud is sitting on top of my board, but he's neck and neck with Bryce Young, who, oh, by the way, had four touchdowns against Vanderbilt. They smash, I think they smashed him like 56 to 3. Uh Bryce Young goes 25 to 36. 385 yards, four touchdowns against an SEC foe. will Levis, you know say what you want he he keeps taking care of business. you want you want to complain it was against Northern Illinois. he's still through he's still through for 303 yards and four touchdowns and you know the SEC it looks like SEC is going to produce a lot of first round quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson is another guy we talked about at Florida. He goes 24 for 44, 453 passing yards, two touchdowns passing, two touchdowns rushing for Anthony Richardson in a loss to Tennessee. So Florida now, I think, I believe they lost to Will Levis, they lose to Tennessee, but Richardson's still showing the flashes of why he should be in that first-round consideration. And then our guy T- T- Tyler Van Dyke. Not so good there for the 25th-ranked Miami Hurricanes, who will be unranked after this week because they lost. They lose to Middle Tennessee State. And Tyler Van Dyke gets benched. 16 out of 32, 50% completion percentage, only 138 yards passing, two interceptions. So TVD gets benched. This is a guy we're talking about as a potential first-round pick, so his stock is down. I think, I think the other guys really did what they had to do to keep themselves in that first-round conversation. And now, uh, Mario Cristobal will have a quarterback controversy down there at the U. Will it be TVD? Will it be Jake Garcia the rest of the way? Uh, so there's your quarterbacks. If you don't, if you're still not a Jalen Hurts believer those are the quarterbacks that your Philadelphia Eagles could be looking at like i said with the Saints loss yesterday the Eagles would be picking number 6 in the draft right now and i think if the Saints have to turn to Andy Dalton that might be that might very well be a top 5 overall pick so the Eagles are looking pretty in the standings they're looking pretty in the draft order and our next guest Martin Frank is looking real pretty as we come back from the commercial break. Of course, the Delaware News Journal, he'll be making his football playbook debut. After this break, it's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. We'll dive back in to the Eagles' big-time victory over those Washington Commanders right after this.
0: Go to get your game on.
3: Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams.
4: Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently.
5: Go first.
1: back at it again rick Servatella here on the football playbook with our first guest of today martin frank delaware news journal making his football playbook debut martin thank you so much uh for waking up with us today i know you've been up at it early getting your next article prepped there for the delaware news journal and i wanted to bring you on to talk about the philadelphia eagles because they're doing big time things it's only three weeks of the season uh carson wentz week is in the books doug peterson week is on deck but <laughs> I mean in terms of an overall complete performance you can nitpick hey the second half they let the gas off the pedal but offense defense a complete game here for the second week in the row don't look now i think the eagles are like third in the in the super bowl odds but some big things happening here early on in the season in philadelphia
6: yeah i mean they're off to they're off to a great start i mean I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to expect or to think they would be three zero at this point, but I, I think it's a little bit um, interesting to you know just how they've gotten to three zero. I mean, they've totally dominated their last two opponents. I mean, and they were beating the Lions pretty badly, you know, late in the third quarter, and you know that was probably closer than it should have been, but still. You know, just the start they've gone off to. I mean, they've looked really good, like on both offense, especially, and and defense. I mean, with the way they shut down Carson Wentz and then the week before with the job they did on Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. I mean, it's been really impressive on both sides of the ball. Well, I've been a Jalen Hurts supporter here since the preseason.
1: So we'll start off on the defensive side of the ball because our listening audience is probably tired of hearing Rick. Uh, Sing the kudos of the one Jalen Hurts. He is playing elite and at an MVP level. We'll get into that before we go, Martin. But I see here nine sacks, 17 hits on the quarterback. It was mostly a four-man rush. They still applied pressure 36.5% of the time and 17% of the dropbacks. Carson Wentz was sacked. Four sacks on his first seven dropbacks. I think his mental clock was... Sped up very early on in this game. You saw the body language, the frustration. I don't think Wentz ever really recovered from the first quarter. And oh, by the way, the Philly crowd, uh, Philly contingent, <laughs> heavy out there at FedEx Field.
6: Yeah, I, well, actually, it was kind of interesting because um, even before the game, as as the you know the offense and defense were running out of the field the commanders had the offense run on the field first and they introduced the defense. And, and a lot of people were thinking that's because, you know, they didn't want all the Philly fans to be booing Carson Wentz when he, you know, if they had introduced him, um, you know, with the offense, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it was just incredible. Like Carson Wentz was like, he had like nowhere to turn. And and you could tell, I asked actually a couple of players this, especially like Darius Slay um, after the game about just, how how they could tell that Carson Wentz had been rattled after that first quarter and he's like oh you can see he was just getting rid of the ball he wasn't even looking where he was throwing half the time I mean it was it was something I mean like he was told they were totally in his head you know after the first couple series and he was just trying to get rid of the ball and and, you know the second half was all garbage time basically I mean he's dinking and dunking and they're moving the ball at the field and you know the Eagles are fine with that because he's taking time off the clock. I mean but that first quarter was like really impressive. They had pressure on him, like you mentioned, like 36% of the time. I mean, 17 hits, nine sacks. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of, in, in a way, it was kind of painful to see Carson Wentz play that way. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of what he was like in his last season with the Eagles in 2020. I mean, just happy feet. Um, he couldn't get his feet set. He's trying to move around in the pocket, make plays. and And, you know, he just held the ball too long and, I don't know that it was not a great performance on his part.
1: Bad sacks, bad turnover. You know, he gets you excited because he makes an occasional good pass. And it says, oh, wow, that's a good throw. But he hasn't evolved. And there's a reason why Frank Wright had to discard him. There's a reason why he's on his third team in three years. I saw the report last night. I had no idea until I heard of it, and Ron Rivera shot it down after the game. But apparently Jimmy G shot down a trade to the Washington Commanders in the offseason, so they turned their attention to Carson Wentz. I can't help to think that not only will Wentz be out of here, he'll be a backup in the National Football League next year, and by time the Eagles see Washington in Week 10, it could be Sam Howell time uh, by time we see him again, right?
6: Oh yeah, I was, I was, I was just gonna say that very thing. I mean, I don't think, I don't think Carson Wentz will be the starting quarterback when, when the um, Commanders come and play the Eagles again in November. Either he'll be hurt from getting hit all the time, or you know, he's gonna be benched because there's no way that you know Washington can kind of like keep going this way. I mean, you know, they got good receivers. I mean, you know, Terry McLaurin's one of the best in the NFL. Curtis Samuel's. Curtis Samuel was having a decent years. John Dotson's a good rookie and everything. And, you know, they need a quarterback and get the ball to those guys pretty quickly instead of like trying to run around and make a play. And that's kind of like the problem with Carson Wentz. I mean, he keeps playing like it's 2017 and, you know, he's had the torn ACL. He's had the stress fracture in his back. He's not that guy anymore. And I think a lot of it is just his stubbornness to realize that he's got to find a different way. It's like, you know, a pitcher when you, when you have like a, uh, you know, Tommy John surgery or, or you tear your uh, labrum in your shoulder. I mean, you got to change the way you pitch and it's kind of the same way with Carson Wentz. And he's still, seems like he's still trying to hold on to that magical 2017 season because, you know, he was great that year. I mean, you know, he was an MVP. He was going to be the MVP until he tore his ACL and yeah, he's just not that guy anymore.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of stubbornness. Part of me felt like when he got the big money contract, he kind of, you know, was like, hey, I've arrived. I'm here now because I don't recall Carson Wentz being the first man in, the last man out, all the teams gravitating towards his leadership and extra work ethic. And that's the difference between a Wentz and a Hertz that I see. And we're talking to Martin Frank, Delaware News Journal here Uh staying on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they made Wentz uh waiver, but they did it surprisingly Martin like nobody on the defensive lines really playing more than 50% of the snaps, which is pretty impressive. Now Josh Sweat, I think I got this off of your tweet this morning by the way. Uh Josh Sweat played 61% Redick was at 56%, but you go down the line, Hargrave, 53%, Milton Williams, 49%, Fletcher Cox, 47 Marlon T., 44 and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't think there's a deeper defensive line in the NFL than the Philadelphia Eagles right now.
6: Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people complain, you know, why isn't Jordan Davis playing more? I think Jordan Davis played, what, 34% of the snaps? and 31%, like, yep. 31 and like the other two games he was right around there maybe 32 or 34 percent um and it's because they have that rotation i mean fletcher cox you know is playing great um you know he's really adapted to jonathan gannon's system he's accepted it um you know jayvon hargrave's been playing pretty well i mean Milton williams playing well i mean that's what a rotation is i mean you get guys you get fresh bodies in and out of the game i mean it wasn't like you know last year i think like brandon graham a lot not brandon graham um some of those guys were playing like 75 80 of the snaps like fletcher cox especially and it was wearing him down i mean you could see in his production last year and this is great for him i mean he's playing less and he's playing better um yeah. you know it's the same with the other guys i mean they're keeping them all fresh and and that's what you want i mean yes jordan davis will play more as the season goes along i mean you know if there's an injury or something like that but I, I mean, I would like to think that as the season goes along, his playing time will increase. And, I mean, the guy's a force. I mean, the second play of the game, he, like, right in Wentz's face, bats down the ball. Um, you know, he showed, he's, he's going to be a presence in this league, and it's going to happen. Um, it's just, you know, he's stuck behind two really good guys, you know, all pros and everything like that. So, you know, he's got to wait his turn. It's the same thing with N'Kobe Dean. He didn't play at all sure. at linebacker. But, like, how can you argue – for him playing a decent amount of the game when Kaiser White and T.J. Edwards are playing so well, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a good situation for the Eagles because they got all these young guys, kind of like waiting in the wings behind veterans who are playing well. You know, you, they don't have to rush them in there before they're ready and watch them make mistakes They can end up costing the game. I mean, these guys, these guys are learning from what they're seeing behind veterans who've done it for years and years. I mean, you know, look at Cam Jurgens on the offensive line. He yep. can't play either because he's behind Jason Kelsey, who's Good you know, one of the best of all time.
1: <laughs> well, that's the luxury of having a veteran team. That's the luxury of the depth that Howie Roseman's accumulated here on defense. We haven't seen that kind of depth at the linebacker position. And you mentioned T.J. Edwards, who was in with Jordan Davis on that uh, ninth and final sack. Like, Nicobe Dean has the luxury of sitting and learning. And if we need you, Kobe, we'll call you. Uh, same thing with Jordan Davis. We just spoke to the depth, the tremendous depth of the defensive line. That's a great luxury to have in the NFL. And so for Davis to just kind of be there on the back burner, if they need him to play more, they can. But you mentioned Cox 47%, Brandon Graham 35% of the snaps, not much more than Jordan Davis, but they're preserving these guys And I think it's a much more effective overall unit on that defensive front. And, you know, listen, we could sit here, and I think uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps played 100% of the snaps again. James Bradbury was at 100%. Darius Slay, you know, Zach McPherson stepping up uh, when, when Slay was out of the game. So another stellar performance from the defensive side of the football now. Let's change it up. Let's switch gears here with Martin Frank, Delaware News Journal. On the offensive side, you could argue, hey, all the points came in the second quarter. It was the third straight game where, you know, I don't know if they took their foot off the gas, but they didn't score in the second half. The run, the run attack, you know, they came into the uh, game with the best rushing attack. They only averaged 2.4 yards per carry. I see the first down discrepancy. They had 21 first downs, two were penalty, three were coming uh, on the run game, 16 through the air. Uh, Was this concerning for you? Is this something that, hey, you know, Washington, they just have a really stellar defensive line there with Deron Payne and then Jonathan Allen. I know their ends were banged up, but the interior defensive line is good. What are you kind of nitpicking here on the offensive side? (laughs)
6: Yeah, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's the second, like you mentioned, the second week in a row where they didn't score in the second half after getting the big lead in the first half, and, you know, that's what, like, Jalen Hurts was saying after the game, yeah, I'm not satisfied. That's not up to our standards. we got to find a way, you know, to score more points, and, you know, I was actually re-watching, like, before I got on the show, the uh, first series of the third quarter, and it was, like, a third and 19, and, and Hurts threw a deep ball to Devontae Smith. He was probably like two yards behind the defender, but the ball wasn't like far enough in front of him. And, and you know, the defender was able to kind of make up the play or break up the play. You know, maybe you can argue it was pass interference, maybe not. But, you know, whatever. If he completes that pass, well, that's a touchdown, and and it's 31 nothing, and, you know, the game's over. I mean, it pretty much was over anyway. And I think also a lot of it in the on the offense, you know, was – You know, the defense was letting Carson Wentz, like, throw these, like, short five, six-yard passes and chew up a lot of the clock um, in the second half, so they didn't really get a whole lot of opportunities, and by the time, like, as you get late in the third quarter, you know, it's just, like, on offense, just, like, try to run the ball, you know, try to run the clock down, And, and you're running against, like, a really good defensive line that Washington has with. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and, you know, Montez Sweat and everything. And those guys would make plays. I mean, that's the strongest part of the Washington defense. And, you know, the Eagles weren't about to, like, light up the scoreboard. I mean, you know, throw it deep at that point anyway. And it's just one of those things. You know, like, they were content to let, you know, Carson Wentz chew up the clock by, you know, dinking and dunking his way down the field. And if they scored great, and if not, you know, they could turn it on again. Um I'd be willing to see – I'd be interested to see, like, you know, if it was a tight game and they have to score in the second half, you know, can they do it because we haven't really seen that uh, in in any of the three games. I mean, even against the Lions, like, they took a 17-point lead early in the third quarter, and they took another 17-point lead uh, late in the third quarter. So they weren't really – I mean, it got a little bit hairy at the end. But, you know, they weren't really challenged that much. the second half so maybe if they're going into a game let's say sunday against doug peterson where it's like 24 to 17 in the third quarter can they turn it on and you know run out the clock or you know go down and score if they have to and yeah i mean we'll, we'll just have to find out but um yeah they probably did take their foot off the gas a little bit in in that second half i mean they did try for the home run ball on the first drive of the third quarter and you know once you know, they gave the ball back to to Washington, and Washington chewed up a bunch of the clock. It was already midway through the third quarter, and at that point, you got a twenty-four nothing lead. Just let it ride.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, they might get tested this week with the Jaguars and our good friend Doug Peterson. They took the um, Chargers out to the to to the woodshed uh, yeah. this past week, and you know, it's funny because suddenly. The Eagles are expected to win the Jaguars game at Arizona. Cross country will be tough, but I think they'll be favored there too. And whether or not Dak Prescott is is going to return for that uh, Week Six matchup, I think the Eagles will be favored in that ball game. And suddenly, they should be six and Oh, going into the bye week, which I don't think anybody could have predicted that one. But they're doing it with a well balanced attack. We mentioned the um, snap counts on the on the defense. The, the running back by committee I've been keeping tabs on. And, again, thank you to your tweet. Um, Miles Sanders, 59%. Kenneth Gainwell, 31%. Boston Scott, 10%. You're sprinkling Jalen Hurts. Oh, by the way, somebody gets the feast every week. We made such a big deal out of Devonta Smith not catching a ball in the first week. Well, it was Devonta Smith's time to shine And you talk about the ball distribution, Goddard got into the fold. I know he left temporarily with an injury. You know, what is your take? I want to ask you if there was any major injuries. I didn't hear none. But first, just in terms of the ball distribution with Hertz sharing the wealth and kind of, you know, continuing to develop in terms of a progressing, progressive
6: quarterback when needed. Yeah. um Yeah. I think he's been great with distributing the ball. I mean, like, you go back to the first game, everyone's like, oh, A.J. Brown got, like, pretty much, I think, maybe half of the target's overall offense. But, I mean, I think a lot of that was a product of the the way the Lions played him. I mean, if they're going to leave him in single coverage, I mean, why not go to A.J. Brown? He's pretty good. Um, And I think, like, as teams adjusted and maybe devoted more attention um, to A.J. Brown, then you're seeing Devontae Smith get open. Uh, you know, you're trying to deep ball to Quez Watkins. He didn't catch any passes on Sunday, but he drew like two defensive pass interference yep. calls. And and it was those were both smart plays because um, Hertz saw that Watkins was one on one with um, I forget it. I forget his name, but. Um, Wild Goose? Was it Wild Goose? Yeah, Wild Goose, that's right. Uh, William Jackson was ruled out before the game, so Wild Goose was starting in his place. And any time, like, Hertz saw him one-on-one with Quez Watkins, you know, he's throwing deep to Quez, and he got, you know, two defensive pass interference calls. So that, I mean, that wasn't doesn't count as a catch, obviously, but, I mean, those were plays that could have gone for, you know, possibly touchdowns, but at least a, you know, significant yardage on penalties and everything. So what you're seeing with Jalen Hurts is – um, teams like have to plan for him now. I mean, last year you kind of knew that if you double team Goddard, you double team Devontae Smith. You know, you force Hurts to like either run to his left or or throw in the middle. He couldn't do it, but that's not the case anymore. I mean, you can't just double team one receiver and have them shut down. And you also have to account for Jalen Hurts' running ability. I mean, he only—I think he only had twenty yards against Washington, but like, you know, he had already shown, like, against you know Minnesota and Detroit that, you know, you give him you give him some space, he'll take off and he'll burn you. Um, and it's just like night and day with last year with the way Jalen Hurts has played, and teams have to account for him now. I mean, they can't just focus on shutting down a receiver. And that takes away the Eagles' run. That takes away the Eagles' passing game. They're pretty much one-dimensional. That's not the case anymore. You you have to account for Jalen Hurts, um, no matter where he is on the field, whether it's throwing or running. And it's like a dynamic that the Eagles haven't had in a long time from from their quarterback. If you're a defensive
1: coordinator, you have to game plan against Jalen yeah. Hurts. And I mentioned at the top of the show, it hasn't happened in over seventy years, Martin. A player to throw for nine hundred and run for over a hundred through his first three games. I think he's got nine sixty-seven passing, a buck fifty rushing. I mean, he's doing things that haven't happened in the National Football League. So let me ask you this, Martin Frank, making his football playbook debut, because the big question is, will he or won't he? And I'm talking about the one Howie Roseman in terms of extending a Jalen Hurts and. I saw that the Eagles are projected to be $35 million under the cap next year. The cap is expected to increase another 20 to $25 million. So let me ask you, Martin, if you're Howie Roseman, do you start contract extension negotiations in season? Do you let the season play out? Do you get ahead of the curve? Or do you put yourself in the uh, Lamar Jackson basket? Because Baltimore didn't want to pay Lamar Jackson. And I got news for you. If Baltimore doesn't want to give him $50 million a year, there's going to be a taker out there. Somebody's going to pay that man his money. What do you do if you're in this Howie Roseman predicament?
6: Uh, I think if you're Howie Roseman, you have to try. I mean, you know, before this season, a lot of the talk was, oh, is Jalen Hurts going to prove himself to be a franchise quarterback? And, and I think he's pretty much answered that question. I mean, the guy – you know, he's playing at an elite level. I mean, I heard you mention that earlier, and and maybe you could even make a case for an MVP. I mean, you know, Josh Allen's obviously great. Tua's been playing really well. Lamar Jackson's is still having a good year and everything. But, you know, he's right up there in a conversation. Oh, yeah, Pat Mahomes is good too. I don't want to forget about him. But still, um, you know, he's having that kind of year. I mean, his, his passer rating is like 106.8. I mean, fifth in the NFL right now. And, you know, he's completing 67%, 67 67.4% of his passes. I mean, and that's the thing you look at last year, I think he was like at 61.3 and the year before like 57 and limited amount of time. So, you know, for Jalen hurts to be like a really good quarterback, you want to see him completing more than 65% of his passes. And he's definitely doing that. So you know, if you have a quarterback like that, you're not going to get anybody better in the draft unless you're picking, like, first or second, and I mean, I mean, I know the Eagles have the Saints pick, and you know, that could be possibly a top 10, but, you know, if they're playing, if the Eagles are playing the way they are, I mean, their pick probably won't be until the 20s, and it's hard to, like, you know, take those two and move up, you know, to first or second, and then you have to find that there's a quarterback who's better than what you got, and is that the case? I don't know. It might be too soon to discern that but still you know you got to start those talks with Jalen Hurts and uh, you know the thing with Lamar Jackson is i don't know i mean it's it's going to be pretty interesting to see what it, what it would take i mean to get hurts extended but they still have one more year on his rookie contract after this year so you know you could still load up and you know go for go for another super bowl next year i mean you know, possibly go this year. You can you can use those resources in other directions um, to address other needs and everything like that. So, you know, Howie Roseman definitely has to start thinking about getting Hurts an extension because uh, he's definitely playing like he deserves one.
1: <laughs> I can't possibly imagine why you would blow it all up at the most important position in all of football. I don't care how good the quarterbacks are; they're not going to be on the level of what Jalen Hurts is playing right, right now. Three years into the league. Oh, by the way, just 24 years old. Look at the first quarterback off the board this past year's draft. Kenny Pickett's 25. He can't even see the field. Jalen right. Hurts is yeah. in his third year.
6: That's a great point. He's, he just turned 24 years old in August. I mean, he's still getting better. Like, this isn't as good as he can be. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, why blow that all up and, and you know, try to draft like someone like C.J. Stroud, who, who might be a great quarterback, But then again, you still have to wait a couple of years for him to develop. You already have a guy who's been in the system for a couple of years, who's developing and can still get much better. So um, I think the answer is is pretty obvious at this point. I mean, you gotta, you gotta find a way to keep Jalen Hurts. Hey, one of the only few undefeated teams left in the league.
1: This team's built to win now and they've got a window here where they can be a contender for the next two or three years significantly. And, We'll see what the Giants do on Monday Night Football here tonight. It might just be down to the Dolphins and the Eagles as the only two undefeated teams after week three of the NFL, which is what they always wanted with the parity card. But uh, we will continue to keep our finger on the pulse here with the Philadelphia Eagles throughout the show, throughout the season. Martin, hopefully we can have you back on. I, I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. What can our listening audience find over at the uh, delaware news journal what do you have on the horizon there
6: well actually i have a column today just about jalen hurts playing at an mvp type of level and and just showing like why based on you know comparison for what you know carson wentz did um yesterday compared to what hurts did and also like how that one play at the end of the first half pretty much showed everything you need to know about jalen hurts how he got like Everyone to the line on the fourth down play, called a play that wasn't even in the game plan for that day and completed a touchdown pass to Devontae Smith that put the game away. So you can see all that, DelawareOnline.com, and I'm at Twitter at MFrankNFL if you want to follow along too. Yeah, and make sure you go follow Martin. I know
1: uh, the chat room enjoyed this thoroughly. We'd love to have you back on here, and uh, we'll be logged on for all your coverage, Martin. Thank you so much. All right, thanks
6: for having me. It was great. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Martin Frank uh, dropping the hammer here on the football playbook, Delaware news journal. Make sure you go follow him on Twitter for all his Eagles coverage. And when we come back, we'll have uh, one of Philadelphia's natives, Howard Balzer, NFL hall of fame, voter insider bird game back strong right after this. Kicking back in cruise control, driving like Jalen Hurts down the highway, baby. Woo! Kicking back. Enjoy the ride. Been trying to tell everybody since August you're witnessing the mystical, magical carpet ride. And each and every Monday, uh, we have Philadelphia's finest, Philadelphia's own Howard Balzer, NFL insider, joining us here on the Football Playbook. Checking in from the desert out there. That's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Make sure you hit the like button. Howard, good morning. How are
7: you today? I am doing well. I'm enjoying your little dancing there, although I don't know if I would call it dancing. But hey, you can uh, you can rock with the best of them. I try. I try <laughs> to
1: keep it funky out here in the oh. Jersey Shore. Uh, we haven't done any fist pumping yet. I'll save that for the Super Bowl.
7: But oh. uh you oh, a little ahead of it. yourself, eh, hey, after three weeks.
1: <laughs> well, hey. I predicted a preseason, Howard, and here we are, week three. Your Miami Dolphins, New York football Giants, and Philadelphia Eagles are the only undefeated teams in the National Football League. So may I ask you, my friend, what do you take away from this uh, Eagles squad here early
7: on? Well, they're, they're a good football team. There's no doubt about it. But I always say pump the brakes because you never know. I mean, last – you know, after two games – all anyone is asking, boy, those Bills are still showing that they're the best team in football. And what do they do? They go out and, I mean, crazily, had over 40 minutes of possession time against Miami and still lost the football game. They had 90 plays in the game. And Miami had somewhere around around 40, 49 or something like that. But they lost. So, again, it's this is a good football team. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They're in a... Not a very good division, so that that certainly helps. And but you got to keep, you keep pr- proving it week after week. But they're they're in very good position in a conference mm-hmm. that doesn't have a lot of teams at the top. One note on those records: you were mentioning only you know two undefeated, well three counting counting the Giants. We'll see what happens tonight. Only right. one team hasn't won yet. Two teams haven't won. Uh, the Raiders are zero three, and Houston's 0 and one. But but Rick, right now there are twenty five to thirty two. 25 of the 32 teams in the league are either one and two or two and one. And Dallas will be the 26th tonight, no matter what happens in that game. And if they should beat the Giants, that'll up it to 27 teams at one and two or two and one. So it's starting out like another typical year in the National Football League. And like I said, after tonight, still 14 games for every team to go.
1: No, it's still wide open. And aside from a handful of teams, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that believe they're going to be in the playoff mix. And I would say Josh McDaniels and Lovey Smith still feel like uh, they have a shot. But, you know, the way Jalen Hurts is playing right now, Howard, I mean, he's one of the uh, leading contenders for the MVP conversation. Uh, He's the first player in the NFL to have over 900 passing yards and 150 rushing yards. Since 1950, which, you know, he, he's doing things in the NFL that haven't even been done in the modern day era. Is this an abbreviation because he's just played poor competition or do we just need to start
7: realizing like Jalen Hurts is playing at an elite level? No, he, he is right now. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I heard the end of your conversation with Martin and there's no question he just gets better and better not only every week, but it, it's happened since he came in and became a starter at the end of, what, the 2020 season. He's gotten better and better every week. And what the Eagles have done, obviously, is they've surrounded him with talent and with players. When you have guys like Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown who are just making big plays, have, had a huge average yards per reception in yesterday's game, when you have that talent on your team, then, then obviously that helps that helps any quarterback. And so it 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 makes it easier for an offensive coordinator with the game plan because they know the defense can't can't you can't defend everybody and so as long as you protect the quarterback then you're going to be in good shape and of course Hertz has the ability to escape a lot of the problems that can happen sometimes in protection so he's he, he's a dual threat he's obviously a dual threat quarterback and as the improvement has come in the passing game it's hard it's hard to imagine that he's not going to keep getting better and better, especially like I said, as the talent is there around him for him and those other guys to make plays. And I'll tell you what, I I can't think of somebody that has a better demeanor or DNA
1: just built for the Philadelphia media. This guy's cool as a cucumber. I can't imagine why anybody in their right mind would want to blow this up and draft a new quarterback and start all over again. Who's
7: suggesting that? I mean, why is that even a debate at this point? I mean, I mean, but it's just, it just just shows everybody. It, I guess it's I don't know what what even describe it as the world we're in now. But it's, yeah, oh, well, just get well. Re- oh, let's let's do better. Let's do this. Yes. Let's do that. But like you said, okay. If you decide we think we can do better, who's that going to be? Who you know? There's no guarantees in the draft. Once you have your guy and you find your guy and you see how how good this guy can play, you just, you just do all you can to keep him. I, that, that's to me is a no brainer that it shouldn't even be a debate. No, I agree with you. And, uh, of course, you're out there in the desert covering the Arizona
1: Cardinals. GoPhoenix.com for all your Arizona Cardinals coverage. And they got a $46 million quarterback in the one Kyler Murray. You can argue, or I will say, quite frankly, Jalen Hurts is playing at a better and higher level than Kyler Murray right now. You look at uh, Lamar Jackson, I stated with Martin. like If Baltimore doesn't want to pay him the money, somebody surely is going to make him a $50 million quarterback and, you know, with the cap increasing next year, the Eagles being 35 million under the cap, I, I would urge Howie Roseman to start those negotiations
7: right now. Agree or disagree? Well, yeah, sometimes you don't want to do that stuff during the season. And, and I would understand if they say, hey, let's this season play out. But you can certainly begin what do we call them? exploratory talks, uh, certainly. But, you know, you've got a lot of time in the offseason to get it done it's hard it would be hard for me to imagine i mean it's hard to imagine that hurts is going to play at this particular level for 17 games that's probably not sustainable but he's still he, he's still playing well and hey i mean he he helped get the eagles in the playoffs last year obviously so there's plenty of time in the off season to get it done and you've got the other deals that are going to be benchmarks joe burrow and justin herbert uh, will be eligible for the fifth year option in in the next offseason and so their deals will get done at some point but you know sometimes you just don't want to have big negotiations like this especially with the quarterback going on during the season but it, it, I'm, I'm I'm fairly confident to say it will happen in due time and like I said I mean it's it, it's it's a no brainer now his is a little more complicated because he wasn't a first round pick and so there's no fifth year option available and that makes next year the last year of his deal. But he's going to make a lot of money. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I'm sure deep down the Eagles with Howie Roseman and everybody else, they they realize and understand that. No, fair enough. And um, look no further than your Arizona Cardinals in terms
1: of what an a, a ugly contract dispute could look like. So why bring that into a season of optimism? Maybe it's better off to wait till after the season because we saw – For a second there, Kyler Murray scrubbed all his social media. We didn't know if he was coming or he was going. Now, they gave him the big money. Hasn't necessarily uh, panned out to results on the field early on thus far in the 2022 season, but they take on the defending world champions. They lose, what was it, 22 to – 20 to 12. 20 to 12, and, um, you know, they're still down DeAndre Hopkins, but – for a Rams offense that basically had no running attack whatsoever, uh, the Cardinals just couldn't seem to get it going here this this past weekend.
7: Well, they get off to bad starts, and that's been the story so far of this season. And then they start playing better, and it, it happened yesterday. I mean, it was a thirteen to nine game in the third quarter, but but they had they were they were kind of looked like I don't know what to call it, just a little you know nickel and dime offense. I mean, they were they they had three incredible drives that were you know 16, 17, 18 plays, took a lot of time off the clock, but then they ended up with field goals. And so they scored as many times as the Rams in that game. Each team scored four times. The difference was all the points for the Cardinals were field goals, and the Rams, you know, got two touchdowns. But you know, the almost like Buffalo, the Rams had I mean, the Cardinals had eighty-one plays to forty-eight. Of the Rams and but they couldn't score a touchdown. But just as I said, the weapons that the Eagles have without Hopkins, AJ Green li- uh, leaves in the second quarter. And I'm telling you, all the receivers that they were putting out in the field in, in the game yesterday after AJ Green left, none of them are taller than me and you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Marky, no. you know, Mark, Mar- you know, Mar- one guy that they elevated off the practice squad, Andre Bachelia, he's the tallest of the group. They list him as 5'10 but I stood next to him in the locker room and he's no taller than me. And, they, yeah. and, so, and so they have Andy Isabella and Greg Dortch are five, seven, even Hollywood Brown is only five foot nine. And so, and, and Hollywood Brown got 17 targets yesterday, had a nice game, 14 receptions, but he only averaged 10 yards per catch. And so they need Hopkins back. They need Antoine Wesley back. Rondale Moore is missed time. And so right now they're in a, they're in a tough spot. You know, they're w- without Hopkins for another three games. It's hard to imagine what this offense would look like if both Hopkins and Brown were out there, then you can run the ball more because the defense is, is accounting for two guys on the field. And so that's, that's that's been their biggest problem uh, so far. And, but you know, they're still sitting there one and two, the Rams are two and one and everybody, every other team in this division is one and two. So they're, they're just kind of biding the time until they get uh, some players back, but Hey, two weeks from yet they've lost seven Rick, They've lost seven consecutive games at home. And it's hard to imagine. It won't be eight when the Eagles come to the Valley in two weeks. Well, we'll talk more about that next week for sure. Luckily
1: the 49ers, what a debacle that was last night. Jimmy G with uh, pulled the Dan Orlovsky ran out of his own (laughs) end zone, had some poor throws uh, interception there at the end. The Broncos survived despite themselves. But, I mean, I look around the NFC, Howard. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot and, and ask you for your NFC power rankings. But I watched the 49ers last night. I don't know if they're the team. I was I was tuned into the Tampa Bay-Green Bay game. Didn't necessarily look like world beaters. You had a front-row ticket to the world champions and the Rams yesterday. Uh, I mean, to me, it's like the Eagles are head and shoulders above all these teams
7: but what do I know how do you kind of sort through the NFC power rankings here well right now the way they're playing they are and that's that's all you can really judge it on will it be that way in five weeks and ten weeks who knows but right now they're playing the best football in the conference there's no doubt about it you know the, the Rams don't have a lot of weapons outside of uh, Cooper Cup and they ran the ball a little bit but on one drive you know uh, Cam Akers had 39 of his 61 yards and so you know their defense is still solid but they're they're a beat up football team they were starting their third right guard uh, of the season in the game and then rob havenstein uh, the starting right tackle went out uh, during the game so they have issues on the offensive line they have issues in their secondary but it was good for it was it was a positive for them that they ma- they were matched up against the rams with those Issues in the secondary because the Rams The Cardinals just weren't able to take advantage Of it so yeah right now the Eagles are Playing the best I don't think there's any doubt about it In this conference
1: Yeah and we'll find out uh, next week We'll have you back on and preview the the Cardinals Eagles matchup But before we get there who do the Cardinals Have on deck this week I don't have it in front of me
7: Yeah they'll go to Carolina uh, To play the Panthers who who came up with A much needed victory yesterday the Cardinals Have struggled with the Panthers in fact uh, The Panthers have won six in a row against them and two of them were in the playoffs several years ago but uh the four regulars they've they've lost to them badly in four consecutive regular season games including last year at home when they lost to carolina 34 to 10. so they they realize they they can't go into carolina and play like they've been playing cardinals are a better team on the road than at home guys did we lose howard it's it's just a very weird uh situation where the cardinals one win I was on the road against Las Vegas, and last year they were 8-1 and on the road during the regular season, so you know, we'll, we'll see what they're able to do in that game, and they hope to get Rondale Moore back. We'll see if that happens, but uh, they, uh, uh, they just need to get the offense going, get off to a better start, but they haven't been able to do that uh, so far in all three games this season.
8: Sorry about that, Howard. Looks like we lost Rick for a bit due to a technical difficulty, but man, we appreciate you so much for providing your insight. You know, one final topic, you know, before we get you out of here, my man, you know, Rick brought up the fact that the NFC just appears to be so wide open. You know, I know it's pretty early and it's only three weeks and there's so much left to settle and so there's so much dust left to be settled. But so far, who do you project? And again, this may be early but who do you project as of right now to being the two best teams in each respective conference Your AFC team and your NFC team? I know the AFC might be a little tougher.
7: Well, you know, you still have to believe the green Bay and Tampa Bay are going to be there at the end. And, you know, I think, you know, once Garoppolo gets his feet under him, I think the 49ers with that defense are certainly uh, very good. And I- I'm not leaving out the Eagles, uh, believe me, but, uh, and you have, you have to figure the Rams will get, get the ship right. And so I, I just think it's so close among all those teams in the NFC. Right now, as I was just saying with Rick, I think the Eagles are certainly playing the best football. So there, there's nothing to say, well, they won't be by the end of the year. You never know what's going to happen. If I was going to pick a second team uh, right now, boy, that, that's, that's almost a flip of the coin uh, with some of the teams. Uh, that that, they, that we've been talking about. I mean, they all have their – war. you know, Green Bay and Tampa Bay all have a lot of injuries. Well, well, Green Bay doesn't have injuries at receiver. They just have a lot of young guys that Aaron Rodgers is learning right. about. The Buccaneers have injuries at wide receiver, and the Rams have the injuries we were just talking about. So you just figure they'll get better, but you don't know what other injuries are coming down the road. But uh, right now, like I said, I think it's the Eagles, and it's a toss-up to the second best team is there in the AFC. I'll still stick with Buffalo. Everybody, every team is going to have one that, uh, that they lose, but man, with, with the way Miami is playing they're they're playing with a lot of resilience. Uh, Baltimore bounces back. And then you've got that AFC West where, you know, the chiefs lose to the Colts. I mean, there's just so many crazy things and the Colts finally come up with a win and look what the Jaguars do to the chargers, even though Justin Herbert was playing hurt. So I think it, think things are kind of like tumbling around a little bit in the AFC, but I still go with Kansas city because they're the defending champs and Buffalo is the two best in the AFC, but obviously we could be talking something different next week or two weeks from now.
8: Yeah. Really quickly. Is it fair to say the NFL is as competitive, is as competitive as it's ever been? Yeah. Oh, it definitely is.
7: And I I think it's usually uh, that way. It's there's never that much difference between the teams Uh, that win and lose, you know, there's a lot of close games. I mean, yesterday, uh, yesterday we had 10 games uh, decided by uh, four, four or fewer points. And so that, that's a pretty big number uh, for one day in the NFL. And there were only uh, five double digit games and and four of those were, you know, were still within two scores. So that's, that's the NFL. It's, it's, it's built that way. Injuries certainly can, you know, can change things, but, that's what brings everybody back week to week because everyone knows no, ma- no matter how you're playing, anything can happen on any week in the NFL. And that's what makes every, every all the urgency that there is on, on every given Sunday and Thursday night and Sunday night <laughs> and Monday night.
8: Hey, well, the NFL really stands for not for long. You bring up great points, Howard. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the program, uh, the football playbook with Rick Serratella and myself. Once again, we apologize for the technical difficulty. Howard, thank you so much. We'll see you soon, my friend. My pleasure, Tom. Take care. All right. You guys, that was your dose of the football playbook. We really appreciate guys like Martin Frank for coming onto the platform. We appreciate our guy. Howard Balls are coming on as well. Also, we have our main man, Rick Serratella, back
1: in the building. How are you feeling, Ricky? Always great to get the Tone to Shields cameo on the show before we wrap it up on the football playbook tone. And uh, it worked out good because I wanted to pick your brain. Shout out to Howard Balls are there as well. longtime NFL insider, Hall of Fame voter. Uh, I was going to ask him about the Pro Bowl before we get into Eagles. The Pro Bowl is going away. It's going to be a skills competition and flag football event and they've uh, secured Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions here to produce the television show. So uh, quickly there, your thoughts, and then I'll get an Eagles take from you.
8: Um, yeah, it's about time they did something with the uh, the Pro Bowl weekend or Pro Bowl week, I guess you'll say. Uh, it's about time they did something with it. Um, the Pro Bowl game itself might be the worst All-Star game to ever live. So – um yeah I'm, I'm 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 completely on board with them you know nixing it and doing something with it because in my opinion kind of like boxing you can't play boxing you can't just play football right you know it's it's a battle of wills out there and i think i think you actually put guys that are at a higher risk of getting hurt when you have them pulling their punches like that agree when you
1: when you play to not get injured that's when you get injured and uh no, I like the old school skills competition. Boomer Syc and Dan Marino, John Elway, flinging it around. I hope they bring that back. So I was, I was actually excited. I, I think they could still announce the Pro Bowl teams, just don't play the game. And I know we're running right, out right. of time. We're up against it. Uh, we got a couple minutes left to play with. What was the tone to Shields' takeaway? I know you were doing the Eagles pre and post game at Ocean Casino Resorts, taking in all the action. But what are your thoughts here quickly before we uh, wrap it up?
8: Yeah, man, you know, I got to give, I got to give credit to, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, just being able to spread the wealth around. And, you know, I know Devontae Smith and AJ Brown had the bulk of the targets. But when you think about the way he spread it around to the tight ends and the running backs, even though the running backs didn't really get a chance to do much with it, he still found those guys, you know, I think. That this Grant Calcaterra kid may be one of the biggest steals in the draft. He had he had one he had one lone target and one lone catch for forty yards. And I gotta be honest, I thought it was Dallas Goddard out there for a second, but then I realized, hold on, wait, Dallas Goddard is not that fast. So, <laughs> so man, I got I gotta give credit to Grant Calcaterra, for, you know, for making do with for making do with uh, that lone target. Man, he made he made a big splash, and it led to some some points. Also, the defensive line, man, just you know, got to give him credit. Where credit is due they needed that game i think they needed to get their confidence up and then and they, they needed to be right reminded that they are one of the best in the league
1: hey well the eagles are one of the best one of the few undefeated teams that's Tony uh the shields one of the best in the business when it comes to producing the show behind the scenes here on the football playbook i appreciate the time tone always As great always perspective and of course uh, he gets a kickstarted here each and every uh, day on the Jacob sports channel, starting off with the round, the NFC East, uh, 12 hours of nonstop Eagles NFL coverage here on Jacob sports channel. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. We come on each and every day on the football playbook from 10 to 12, following the birds 365. We'll have the sports take coming up here in just a minute, followed by Dan Cilio, uh the national football show. And of course you're, Eagles pre- and post-game down there at the Gallery Ocean Casino Resorts. It's been uh, two hours of power on this Victory Monday, our third consecutive Victory Monday. And, of course, this week's theme was be a thermostat, not a thermometer. That's what Jalen Hurts said pre-game. That's what we're going to live by here on the post-game. Tomorrow, we've got some more good guests. I know Austin Lane We'll be checking in uh, to talk about the Jaguars week. We'll also have Tony Baselli, recently inducted Hall of Fame member uh, later on in the week. So a lot of surprises on the football playbook throughout the show. Shout out to Krause and Xander for holding it down, tone behind the scenes. Rick Saratella here for our 20th episode of the football playbook. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. In the meantime, buckle up. It's the Sports Take coming up noon Eastern.
3: action news at 11 with rick williams it's the team you trust to bring it all together the stories that impact your community a sports roundup for the locals and the accuweather forecast you depend on action news at 11 with rick williams
4: go passionately go fearlessly go confidently
5: go first.